Welcome to The Pastor's Cut. We are kicking off season three, and this week we are joined by Norwood Park location pastor, Brenton Smith. And with him, we get to talk about Romans 5, 1 through 11, uh, the introduction of grace and New Year's resolutions. Great, let's dive in. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is The Pastor's Cut with Brenton Smith. Brenton, thanks for joining us as we kick off season three of The Pastor's Cut. And we are also kicking off a new year. What is one goal that you have for 2020 that you are feeling optimistic about keeping? Well, you know, uh, it's right around New Year's when I started thinking, what, what do I want to accomplish or what are some of the things that I want to do this, this coming year? One of them is actually, I just want to be more bold. Like, I just want to be bold. And if it, if it translates into the spiritual thing, which I hope it does, um, and I think that's the direction it will go ultimately, but just want to be more bold in the various ways in which I interact. So, for instance, um, I had an opportunity almost like the next day uh, was at Menards with my family, mm-hmm. and um, my wife saw something on a clearance rack. She's like, oh, maybe we can get this. And it was about $200. And I was like, huh. I said, if they really want to get rid of it, they'll give us a better deal. <laughs> so I went and talked to the manager. I was like, what else can you do for me? And they actually dropped it in half. So I'm like, Are you wow. serious? Just by asking, I got something that originally was $500 down to $200. Now yeah. for $100. I'm like, man, oh, see what yeah. boldness does? You just go. What's what the worst deal? thing you can say? So, a, uh, fortune favors the bold. Isn't that the quote? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it sounds right. It sounds good. It sounds really good. Maybe your... there's a quote now. Yeah. You should hang that in your office for the year. Just I know. reminder. I know. So mm-hmm. it's boldness. And then I think as well with that, some of the areas that it's also come out, like when I'm at the gym, just saying hi to people um, that I wouldn't necessarily usually talk to. Um, I, I actually was in the sauna, and that guy came in, and we started talking. And part of it was just the, the boldness of asking the first question, of just being mm-hmm. there with him and getting overheated and needing to get out, but spending the time just talking and getting to know his story. Um, he'd been a cop in the city and retired 30 years ago. And so oh, wow. just neat to hear him and, and various things that he's gone through. So that's part of being bold, mm-hmm. just putting yourself out there uh, yeah. in relationships and in other mm-hmm. areas too. And spiritually as well, that's that's the part where it's like, how can we be more bold for the gospel's mm-hmm. sake? So, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's great. And so, Brenton, you preached up at Norwood Park this week on and Forest Roman, Glen. And Forest Glen. Yeah, did the ah, travel. Nice, north side travel. <laughs> north side. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Romans 5, 1 to 11. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you give us a quick recap of the sermon? Yeah. So, the way I kind of looked at this message, it's introducing the second section of of, of Romans, of the, the, what we've been going through so far. So we did chapters one through four last fall, and now we're kind of going into this next section. Um, and in this next section, uh, what Paul does at the very first verse is he summarizes the first four chapters with half of a verse. And mm-hmm. um, therefore, since you've been justified by faith, and that's kind of like the summary. So he kind of takes all that he said in the first four chapters and he summarizes it. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of waits. And this is where I kind of, uh, my big idea for the week was uh, justification, but wait, there's more. Kind of mm-hmm. like, like the good yeah. salesman that Paul was like saying, okay, there's there's more. Like yeah. uh, there's more to what you think, like justification, but but there's so much more. And so then I unpacked it from there and the three benefits that we would have in our justification. Um, the three benefits being, um, I got to look at my notes here. Um justification, uh, peace with God, which is one of those mm. that was right there in this first verse, access into his grace, and then rejoice in hope. Uh, and then from there, started going through what do, what do some of these things look like as the rest of the chapter also, or these verses uh, spell it out for us. Um, so that that was the, the maybe the quick synopsis of this uh, passage. Um, yeah. Really interesting, so many things that I did. I mean, I feel like this uh, passage had so much on it. Um, that you had to cut something out. You had to cut something out somewhere. And so you just had to make a decision. What, what am mm-hmm. I going to cut out? But 
Um, some of the things that I did say that I felt were so, so worth engaging with, um, one was this whole access into God's grace or into grace. Mm-hmm. Um, the word access is actually better translated introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just access, like I can walk in or I can go into something now that I couldn't before, Yeah, but it's actually that I've been introduced to someone. So you're kind of, picture yourself walking into a chamber mm-hmm. and you need somebody to introduce you to the to the one who's sitting on the throne. And who is that? But Jesus himself introduces us, but mm-hmm. the way the verb actually works, it's a, a, a present action or an action that happened that has a continual effect. Mm-hmm. So I don't need Jesus to come present me every single time before the Father. It means he's mm-hmm. already done it once, and now I can still walk into the chamber. Um, and even the word grace, uh, uh, in this particular place, it's kind of an awkward way that Paul writes it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I saw a lot of commentaries talking about grace right here could actually be synonymous with God. So it's actually like mm-hmm. God, the gracious one, and his, and his mm-hmm. graciousness has allowed us to even enter in. Um, mm-hmm. So... It's not that we have access to grace and then grace gets us before God. It's that when we approach grace, we're approaching God. And so mm-hmm. that, that was one thing. Um, and as well, another word, just uh, the whole idea of rejoicing, that uh, rejoicing can also be uh, seen um, and actually translated many other places as boasting. Um, mm-hmm. I boast, I boast, I rejoice. And this the, the in- interchange of those uh, ideas. Um, you really only rejoice about things that you boast about. Mm-hmm. You get excited about something and you're going to boast about it. And um, here we're saying that we can actually boast. We can rejoice in the hope that we have, but we can also rejoice in our suffering. Because mm-hmm. our suffering, ultimately, as he goes through the list, will get us back to hope, mm-hmm. a sure hope, a solid hope. So it kind of helps us redefine what hope even is. Um, so there's some things that were like, I felt like just amazing truths to help us mm-hmm. think about this. Um, as we have access and we have peace with God, and that yeah. section I was thinking about um, how because we have peace with God, we don't have to barter with God anymore. We don't mm-hmm. have to try to mm-hmm. achieve or get something from Him. Um, we don't have to. Um, uh, um, we don't have to negotiate. I think so often we feel like we have to negotiate, mm-hmm. but here we don't. Here we we just go great. Here, mm-hmm. here's God. He's given us access. We can go into Him, and we have peace with Him. We don't have to barter. We don't have to trade cards. We don't have to try to one-up. We don't have to try to do something better. He, it's his joy to give us these things. And so, mm. Man, Brenton, that thing you said about introduced to grace is is interesting. Actually, I was on a, a mission trip to Turkey, a couple, a cross-cultural ministry trip to Turkey a couple of years ago. And I remember we were there over St. Patrick's Day in the cultural center that we were kind of serving with. They had this outreach event where they put together a crossword puzzle based on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> and uh, it kind of brought some people in to have different conversations. And, and one of the words in the crossword puzzle was grace. And uh, I remember there was some women on the team were having a conversation with, with another woman there who had come from the community, wasn't a believer. Um, and she was asking, what is this? What's this word grace? Mm-hmm. And uh, they explained it to her, the, the concept of grace. And she was like, that's not a real thing. Like that, that doesn't actually exist. And uh, just seeing that there are places where, you know, like we're introduced to grace through Christ and and there's places where uh, that concept has not been introduced yet. Grace is unique to Christianity. Mm -hmm. No other religion has grace as a major tenet. Yeah, which is fascinating. Uh Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so seeing that even in the original language there is is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Wow, thanks for sharing that, Trevor. So, Brenton, what got cut from your sermon this week? Oh, man, there are so many things that could have gotten cut because there's so many <laughs> good things in this passage that just had to make a call on what we're going to cut, what we're going to cut. First thing I cut, not because it wasn't important, just because I didn't have time, um, <laughs> was this whole idea at the very end of uh, verse 5 
um, which says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been who has been given to us. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think we we go through our Christian walk and we're not quite sure what the Spirit does in our lives. Well, here's a real tangible thing the Spirit does. Uh, the Spirit is pouring in God's love. He's making making us aware. Uh, sometimes we think that God might be rationing his love and he just kind of drips it in when we need it or when <laughs> we need to be reminded of it. But here it's like mm-hmm. this idea of, of love uh, he's pouring in and it's just like overflowing. It's just mm-hmm. filling us up so much. But he's doing it through the Holy Spirit that we mm-hmm. actually have the Holy Spirit in us to remind us continually of God's love. That's huge. That as a follower of Christ, we don't have to walk around and wonder where do we stand with God. He is mm-hmm. pouring his love into us mm. through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Have there been ways in, in your walk as a follower of Christ where you've felt that or certain, um, you know, because it seems like it's talking about it in an, in an mm-hmm. experiential sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's that been like for you? Yeah, you know, I think it, the context here is talking about um, being able to rejoice in our sufferings, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that part of the fruit that it actually gets us down to is that we can um, have hope, but a type of hope that doesn't put us to shame. And so, I think really, um, when we're going through suffering, when you're going through pain, um, for me, I think personally, whether it's either uh, because of sin in my life or if it's um, other areas, I can have, I can, I can be reminded that He is still with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of whether it be my daughter who has um, a, a blood disorder or disease, mm-hmm. and when she's going through a pain crisis, like yeah. they, mm-hmm. those weeks can get really long, and sometimes mm-hmm. like the whole family feels it. Yeah, but yet God's given us sweet times in God's word in those moments, in those spaces, in those places. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends, uh, and I, maybe this is more me um, as a small group leader years ago. Um, who said he was closest to God in the midst of his darkest depression hmm. because he was forced to be with God. And I think that's God reminding us, the Holy Spirit's reminding us, like, you're not alone, you're with me. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is as someone who was walking with him, um, being able to see it and to see him, like, kind of say, I'm, I'm kind of regretting not having depression now because I feel like I can kind of be self-sustaining and I don't mm-hmm. need God right now. Hmm. That was, for me, is wow. a, a really interesting mm-hmm. take, but I think that's where God pours in his love. It's a reminder, a reminder, I'm with you, you need me. I, I'm pouring mm-hmm. myself in, my, the spirit won't let you forget. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like that metaphor of mountains and valleys that like when you're on, when you're on like the peak and life is good, you expect that to be when you're feeling this, but, mm-hmm. but actually it's in the, the valleys, kind of the low points. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. it's because we make love purely an emotion. Mm-hmm. And here I feel like the, the the way that he's speaking about love, and I haven't, I actually didn't go into the Greek to see if it was uh, what word is being used for love. I'm assuming it's agape, but it, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be phileo or anything like that. But yeah, but but in this, it's when we've made love something that's um, a commitment, love, covenant love. Mm-hmm. Then that's where you kind of go, oh, okay, he's always with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, not just yeah. oh, I feel warm and fuzzy, and yeah. I don't want this euphoria to ever leave me. And if it does, I got to figure out how to get it again. Yeah. That's not that. Mm-hmm. It's it's something very steady, very very um, holds on to us, and that's that's exciting to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What about you, Hillary? I would say similar to what you both said, where you feel like you're on top of the mountain and everything feels really good. And I remember earlier in the year, I felt that way, where everything just seemed to be going really well, and it's easy to forget how much you need God and God's love in that time. And then when things start to not go the way that you want or the way that you expect, and you can sometimes feel alone and isolated, which I feel like is a really 
easy feeling to have in the city yeah. to just be reminded of God's love and that he does have a greater plan and mm -hmm. months past that to be able to look back and see that and remember that he was there for me during that time and not just him, but the Christian community that was surrounding me during that time and giving mm -hmm. me advice and praying for me, mm -hmm. that was really felt more than ever when I was in the valleys this year. So mm -hmm. that was good. What else got cut, Brenton? Yeah, something else as I was looking at uh, this passage. So question, actually, when I first read it, I, I stayed there a little bit too long and started really trying to figure out what does verse 7 mean? Verse 7, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would um, dare even to die. When you look at that that verse in isolation, and that's what I was kind of doing. I was looking at that without the context. I was kind of mm -hmm. like, what does that mm -hmm. mean? Like I'm starting making parallels. Like what's the difference between a righteous person and a good person? Because in my mind, I'm thinking like good is kind of less than righteous. And I'm, I'm trying to like dive too too deep into that. And mm -hmm. um, actually, I, I remember telling my wife when I was first read it and I was about to do some studies on it, I said, I've always been stumped by that. And I'm just kind of mm -hmm. like wonder what was Paul trying to say? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, but as I study, you start to see actually the comparison isn't between the righteous person and the good person. Mm. Those are kind of parallel lines that he's using. Yeah, there might be a little bit shades of difference between them, but he's kind of using more in parallel with each other. Yeah. The real contrast is what Jesus did for us that while we were sinners, mm. he died mm. for us. Mm -hmm. Like that's where the contrast is not with between mm -hmm. righteous and good. Yeah. It's about these are like categories of people that we would probably, even though we like them, we wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily be willing to take a bullet for them. Yeah, mm -hmm. And yet here it's like, you're an enemy. You are so mm -hmm. far away from God. I mean, this passage describes us as sinners, as weak, as uh, as as far as ungodly. And, mm -hmm. and yet here it's like, this is when Jesus comes in. It actually says in the previous verse that at the right time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in our greatest brokenness, at the right time, he came and he died for a sinner, for an enemy of his. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. That's where the contrast is. And it... it, it I had to like look at it and kind of back up and look at the rest of the context of verses to say, where's a real comparison? Mm -hmm. It's not between righteous and good. It's actually between righteous, good, and mm -hmm. the sinner, which yeah. we all are. Yeah, that's a great verse. I know this isn't this isn't quite exactly what it's saying, but it's kind of well, it has this model of Jesus laying down his life for us, right? Even mm -hmm. when we're not we're not friends, we're we're enemies at that point with the mm -hmm. um and as followers of Christ, right, we're called to follow his example of of um, you know, living a life of sacrificial mm -hmm. obedience and uh, not necessarily always like laying down our lives in a physical sense for others, but uh, mm -hmm. of making sacrifices for the benefits of others. Um, yeah. And so what are some ways that you all have seen that play out in your own lives? I think there's a lot of ways, you know, I think as a, as a father, that some pretty easy ones where you sacrifice uh, for your kids mm -hmm. continually and your wife yeah. and whatnot, spouse and as I, as I was thinking about sacrifice, um, and actually it is kind of tied into a little bit of a New Year's resolution, um, that that I wouldn't be so focused on my own time that I would give up time with other people, mm -hmm. um, that I would actually, as I'm walking, as I'm hearing someone, that I'd actually pause, and when I feel like they're going too long, not try to like find the cutoff point so I mm -hmm. can move on to, yeah. but actually then ask them a question that would show them I'm actually interested in what they're saying. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's just time. That's It's me valuing myself higher. And so I'm mm. sacrificing something that I think is really important mm -hmm. that I'm on time yeah. um, and say, you're actually more important than anything that I've constructed for myself. And so I'm going to, mm. I'm going to be more interested in you and I'm going to sit and I'm going to ask you um, yeah. until it's time to go. And then it's okay. There's yeah. a time and that's fine, uh -huh. but not try to, make it so quick that I'm missing out on actually mm -hmm. spending time with people. Yeah. 
That's great. That reminds me uh, to answer your question on the theme of 2020. My word for the year has been cherish. And part of that is to just take in every moment. Mm -hmm. And again, not rush off from one thing to another Mm -hmm. and try to achieve all my goals and be actually ambitious, but to just really be present in the moment and look around me, take opportunities, see Mm -hmm. where needs might Mm -hmm. be, Mm -hmm. and to just use my time in a better way. Something else that came to mind is I'm not just living for myself either. I feel like that reminds mm-hmm. us that Christ sacrificed his life for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that us as believers and Christians, like we should be on mission with him and living for him. And yeah. in this stage of life, sometimes it's hard because you see what your friends are doing and mm-hmm. there's different temptations, but sacrificing mm-hmm. some of those things to live a life that is an example and can lead others towards Christ mm-hmm. and trying to just be really intentional mm-hmm. living in that way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like recently, even just realizing some conversations that that has led to with some of my non-believer friends. What about you, Trevor? Yeah, kind of. Well, Brenton, you had mentioned earlier talking about how Romans 12 talks about us as living sacrifices. Hebrew 12. Yeah. It's Hebrews 12. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I said Romans 12, and then I went back. I was like, no, it's not Romans 12. It's Hebrews 12. No, no, Romans 12. Is it Romans 12? Yeah. Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Oh, you're right. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living Living sacrifice. sacrifice. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, 12-1. Yep. Yep. Go with Um, my gut. Go with my gut. Yes. Don't second guess. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that concept of that that we are called to live in that way, living sacrifices. I think with me... um, is, you know, like it can be an easy answer with mm. kids. Like you're kind of forced to yeah. sacrifice yeah. with them. Um, but I think that one thing it brings out is that there's like a joy that you find in those sacrifices that you give up so much for them. Um, so many things that you enjoy, kind of like these, these creature comforts or your personal mm-hmm. time or silence or yeah. uh, time <laughs> to just kind of sit and read, um, which, I, which I, I still sneak in when I can. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, but you find that there is joy um, on the other side of, of those sacrifices, yeah, yeah. and that it it's worth it, um, yeah. even though you you wouldn't always choose to make it uh, in the moment. Yeah, uh, something uh, early on when, when my wife and I got married, I, I was thinking about how marriage caused me to kind of get rid of all those creature habits, the things that I just enjoyed, and I had to, had to sacrifice some of those things. Yeah. Uh, but then when kids came, they like made me sacrifice <laughs> mm-hmm. the things that I really need, not just value and want, but need yeah. sleep and food. <laughs> They're like stealing my food off my plate. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's my job. I'm supposed to eat your plate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if they like it, they get my portion too. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's generous of you. Uh, yeah. So what else got cut? Yeah, the last thing that got cut is kind of going down towards the bottom of of the passage that we had, which was Romans 5, 1 through 11. Towards the end, um, he starts making a comparison, um, and he's he's arguing from the greater to the lesser in, in these both, both of these instances. Verse 9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. And then, for if we were enemies, uh, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And so in mm-hmm. both of those, there's there's two things that he's actually pointing to. Say that the, if, if God was able to do this, the greater piece, mm-hmm. this other part is, is, is easy for him. And so, of yeah. course, that's part of what God does for you. Both of these things, the wrath of God um, and and being saved, the, that, that word is actually pointing, both of those words are actually pointing towards the future, towards... Mm-hmm. Um, his, his return, that yeah. when God comes, he doesn't just come uh, to, to bring his to himself, mm-hmm. yes, but he also comes with wrath, with real justice, true justice, which we would mm-hmm. actually 
celebrate. We want mm-hmm. justice in this world, and we want justice yeah. in life. Yeah. Um, and, and here he's um, kind of pointing to that, that, that if he was able to do this, this really hard thing, mm-hmm. he's so able to do this in the future. And so it caused me to, I actually wanted to kind of go into it. Oftentimes we, we don't talk much about the end times mm-hmm. as a church. And here's a part where both mm-hmm. words are pointing us to something future, which is pointing yeah. us towards the end times. Um, that word saved is a word that was, that was used towards um, uh, being saved, not as in a current state, but something that was going to be saving in, in the future as well. And so, mm. yeah, I mean, just so much you can say, <laughs> yeah. and that was something I was like, well, Mm-hmm. Not going to happen this time, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, really important. Well, we can mm-hmm. dive into that now then. Right. So with that hope to come with the end times, and mm-hmm. as you shared, it's something we can look forward to, and the best really is to come. Mm-hmm. But how would you explain that hope to someone that looks around at the world and sees the suffering? As mm-hmm. we even talked in this passage, we will suffer. How do you explain yeah. that hope that is coming yeah. to someone who might be discouraged by that? Yeah. Well, that's that's what the previous verses are dealing with, right? That we can rejoice in our suffering mm-hmm. um, because that suffering starts to produce things in our lives. And as it produces these things, the last thing that it kind of gets us to, and that's where he's moving us towards, is, is to understand hope better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we look around, actually, I don't think that we should be, um, we shouldn't be satisfied with what we see around us. Um because it is broken. It is a broken world. Um, mm-hmm. People are going to be selfish. People are going to try to get their own advantage in mm-hmm. in any scenario. Um, I, I and mean, I'm not just talking about, oh, those heathen bad people out there, even in ourselves. Like when we look at our own hearts, our natural inclination is always to serve ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's many times it starts to become an injustice. And so that's where the brokenness can come. So I think the hope comes when we look at um, many of the spirituals that were written in the midst of slavery or that were sung and recited and and, and, and sung together, um, always were pointing towards the end times. That's where our hope was lying. They said in this life there will be many suffering, many trials, but mm-hmm. one day it's not going to be that way. You know, So that gives us that hope mm-hmm. um, as well. Where I grew up in Mexico, a lot of the, um, uh, the, the native Mexicans who live uh, further out of the city and um, they've been treated poorly, and it's many of them are believers. A lot of the songs they choose to sing about aren't our current victory in Christ, but our future victory in Christ. They start mm-hmm. to look at that, and that just gives them yeah. so much enjoyment to life now in the midst of pain, mm-hmm. because they know it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Brenton, it's been great having you with us. Oh, thank you. This has been great. Thanks for joining us this week for The Pastor's Cut. We are excited to kick off Season 3 with you as we continue our study in Romans. We hope you'll join us again next week as we dive further into Romans chapter 5.